Hey, what's up, everyone? Welcome to Crowcast Podcast. I'm Shane. Hey, I'm Ronnie. And these are the audio versions of the interviews we've had with our special guests on Crowcast. This episode is with Richie Edwards. Oh, man, it was so cool to have Richie on, dude. Um, yeah, man. Somebody we've talked about for years. We we know him through mates. Um, so humble. And, and it was great to talk about that album, you know, Silver Spoons and Broken Bones, uh, which is now available as well um, via our Crow Radio on Spotify. Um, so for anybody who haven't heard the album or if you enjoy this episode, go and check that record out. What what, what did you think, mate? What, what was it like? Uh, just a lovely human being, but really quiet, but passionate and driven. Like he said, music was the only thing that kind of connected with him. It's the only thing he wanted to do. Got so many stories and... and the strange thing, like he's got this humbleness about him. He he doesn't know how good he is, like you know. Um, and it was yeah, just just a what what a guy, like lovely dude. Yeah, some great stories in there, mate. Exactly yeah. what you said. A few that I didn't even know, and and I, I've known quite a lot about Richie, but you know he, he stumbled across some names like you know, Tom Jones, Chris Canal, some brilliant stories. Uh, he was name dropping like a good one, wasn't he? Clang. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but now I was just like. I didn't know that he'd worked with Tom Jones, and I, I knew yeah. he'd done a bit with the Stereophonics, so I know he'd worked there, but, oh, man, honestly, there was just so many cool stories. And like you said, for such a humble guy to come on, he was really grateful to come on and chat to us. He was he was in awe of some of the guests we've had on you, but yeah. his stories were equally as important. Different perspective and, and, a, and a beautiful journey to how he got to play to thousands and thousands of people, like, you know? Yeah, man, he's been there. He's seen it all, haven't he? From off off the side of the stage, taking for those bands, like I just said, and working with those um, artists and bands. That transition from being behind the stage to being on it and front and centre. Um, a brilliant chat, lovely guy, and really enjoyed this one. Yeah, and for anybody listening to this podcast, uh, whether it's up to date or a year down the line this is available on youtube this would be episode 54 if you're after the visual um but it's great to be honest this is one that i'm looking forward to driving in the car and listening back to um because just a great episode should we get into it here we go strap in this is crowcast podcast <laughs> guest oh man i can't wait for this ladies and gentlemen crow family please welcome the wonderful human being and rock god mr richie edwards <laughs> how's it going <laughs> all right how's bud? it going all right, <laughs> all right, bud, yeah. all right. good to see yeah, you yes, do look, look all right it's been a while since i've done any, <clears throat> anything like this do, do look do look all right present yeah, yeah, look great excellent you've obviously put a excellent. bit of makeup on of you I've uh, yeah, just a little bit of um, we had to uh, we had to have a bit of concealer on there for some reason. I, I flushed and uh, and it looked it looked ridiculous. So um, the missus sorted me out um, with a bit of uh, a bit of concealer. But no, I'm I'm so honoured uh, that you've asked me to come on. I um, I feel like a bit of a fraud if I'm honest with you. You've had some nope. big names on here <clears throat> over the last the last year, and um, I can't help uh, I can't help thinking there'll be a um, an air of disappointment around your regular listeners this week when uh, 
But you have it was Blaze Bailey the other week. Last week you had Biff Byford from Saxon. <clears throat> I mean, a metal god. And then this week it's uh, me. <laughs> I can imagine a lot of people going, "Who? Who's this? Who's, who's this bald fella?" But uh, no, I'm I'm really really honoured that you've uh, you've asked me on. It's amazing. Thank you. Ah, man, we couldn't wait to get you on, not just because you're a great guy and an incredible musician, but, you know, it's not just these bands you've been in. You've 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 teched for the bands, you know, the industry in, inside mm. out. And um, that's kind of, that's what we, that's what gets me, myself, Ronnie and the Crows, sort of, it's people's perspectives within the industry. And I've had a little bit of insight um, that some of the Crow family, some of the fans in general don't don't really know about, you know. So I mm. um, you know you'd have some stories, but, well, hopefully, no pressure. I, I don't know about stories. I don't know about stories. Yeah, but um, I've just look. I've been really lucky um, ever since uh, ever since I was a kid. Or, or my only music's been my only hobby. I've never. I was never into sport. I was never into into any. It was just music always, and and um, and that's all I ever wanted to do was something. Well, all I ever wanted to to, to do was be a rock star when I was little, you know. But um. um yeah. And I never, I never really wanted to do anything else. It was always something to do with music, and um, and by some miracle, by by more more by luck than judgment, I've managed to forge a career um, for myself in in music. And um, um, there's not a day goes by really when I don't I don't think how um, how lucky I am. And uh, yeah, whether whether that be, you know, being in bands or working for bands, um, it's never really bothered me. It's just been around the, the, the being around music and making music and working in music. It's it's um, it's all I ever wanted to do, and luckily I've yeah I've, I've been able to do it. So I feel very very lucky, really. So like going back in Richie, like when you were Little Richard, I want to get that line in Little Richard. When um, when. What was the bug, bud? What what band? What art, uh, artists did you see? What music were you listening to that made you think, "Oh my God, that is it"? Well, I um I had a my, I had a brother who was depending on the time of year he was five or six years older than me, and uh, luckily for me he had um he was just the same. It was all about music. No sport, yeah. no cars, no, you know, it was just music. And luckily for me, he had, um, he had impeccable taste. And, and I think, uh, I think over the years, you know, when you sort of go in and look through his records and, um, and it, it was, it was him really, I suppose, who, who sort of, um, I guess shaped, um, what I was, what I was into. Although the first album I ever bought, um, he he wasn't he wasn't into that band at all. But first record I ever bought was Kings of the Wild Frontier by Adam and the Ants, um, and I bought it. It had so it had just come out, and I think if memory serves, it came out late 1980, like Christmas time 1980. So I would have probably bought it with my Christmas money at the beginning of 1981. So I would have been um, just coming up for six, and that record um, that had a huge impact on me, and. That was it. I wanted to be Adamant. And um, I used to go to one of my older cousins, Leanne. She used to um, 
she used to make me up and put an ant stripe on me and and I'd um I'd just wear some I don't know some old pajamas and a, uh, just whatever I could find in the house just to just to uh, um just to pretend that I was adamant and walk around the, the local streets dressed like that which uh, <laughs> but yeah so that had a huge impact on me and still does like if you listen to that record now um it still sounds uh, still sounds amazing but that was a big one and then um I sort of went through uh I got really into two tone and um and scar and then um and then just rock and and heavy metal and I mean it's probably easier to to it's probably easier to say the sort of music that I'm not into um rather because I just I just love everything you know but I'm yeah. sure you guys are the same you know there's some yeah. uh there's there's it's impossible to hang on oh my mic's dropped um there we go yeah i just i just love music really you know that's that's yeah. that's, that's, that's that's me but but uh, yeah adam adam and the ants had a big a big impact on me um, was that just was that um like did you have a voice like as a kid or was it just about picking up an instrument I was just, I just wanted, I just wanted to show off, really, um, yeah. how, whatever, you know, whatever way, shape, or form. It was just, um, I just wanted to, uh, to show off whether that be, um, whether that be getting involved with uh, school productions and, you know, yeah. um, act acting and, uh, um, or being in a band or, or just, um, yeah, I just, I just sort of wanted to, just like the idea of that, really. We used to do um, uh, when I was at primary school. Uh, every like once once a month on a Friday they did this thing called uh, Top of the Flops where um, like as the kids could um, you could get up and and do uh, um, um, actually was it primary school yeah it would have been primary school um, you could get up and do a little skit or whatever during assembly on the um, uh, on the last Friday of the month and after it was the the Friday after Live Aid. Watching that was a moment as well. Just waiting all day for Queen to come on, and then um, just being completely blown away. I was just like, "Oh my god, it's yeah. the thing I've ever seen," and still yeah. is to be fair. Um, yeah. But the Friday after Live Aid, um, I wore a pair of white jeans, a white vest, um, like a, a stick with a microphone taped to it, and then um, mimed to uh, um, Radio Gaga and Bohemian Rhapsody. And um, so it, just, it was just anything, really, you know, just to sort of, uh, just to, to kind of show off. But yeah, that's, that's, I don't know, that's all. All I ever really wanted to do was, was be in a band and, and play shows, you know, that was, that was, that was it, really. And so it was, how old, it, oh, well, I, 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 would, I would have been... Um, when I really started getting into music, yeah, like six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven. <laughs> um, yeah. So I, uh, the the live aid performance. Well, that was eighty five, wasn't it? So I would have been. Yeah. Uh, um, it would have been my last year at primary school. I would have been ten, going on eleven. Um, but I was also really lucky because, um, having an older brother who was so into music, he would he would go to gigs and. Um, uh, and mum and dad would sort of force him to take me along, which obviously he hated. I mean, if you, you imagine you're a 16 year old kid <laughs> and um, and your 10 year old little brother is sort of <laughs> hanging around, with you. it's not. Uh, but I remember going to um, uh, yeah, going to a few gigs where I say with him, we we would arrive together and then mum and dad would sort of drive off and and he'd go right, I'll meet you here afterwards. 
and he'd be gone, and I'd just be like, "All right, okay, fair enough." And uh, um, there's some big. I mean, um, one that really sticks in mind was um, Iron Maiden on the the Somewhere in Time tour, Birmingham Odeon. That was um, uh, that was a big one because years later, I I ended up working with Maiden, and that that gig was a real. Uh, that would have been '86, so I would have been 12. Um, and that was a real sort of, uh, you know, that's a game changer. Seeing that yeah. show, it was it was insane. You know, you got the inflatable Eddie hands at the end with Aris there. It's just it's just amazing. Nico's kit just rising up into the yeah. with Eddie's face underneath. It was amazing. And then, like I say, years later, it's one of those sort of pinch yourselves moment. You know, there I was a ten year old kid writing Iron Maiden on my school books, and then fast forward. 20 years later, and I'm stenciling Iron Maiden on a flight case to be shipped over to America to start the tour. I mean, it's, it's, if, if I actually sit and think about it, it's, it's pretty mad, really, you know, some of the, some of the things that, that, um, uh, some of the things that have happened. But yeah, so, so gigs, yeah, I was, I was lucky, lucky in that respect as well, um, being able to go to gigs because of the, because of my older brother. And also growing up in, um, uh, in Litchfield, which is, about 20 minutes from Birmingham. Yeah. Every band, whatever whatever size the band was, they would all go through Birmingham, whether they played the Omenbird or the Odeon or the NEC, you know, the big gig just outside of town. Um, every band would go through through Brum, so you were spoiled for choice. And I didn't realise that at the time as well, like how lucky I was um, that that I lived there and saw those bands yeah. until till I was work, till I was um, I got friendly with we're done from the darkness and, and we talk about this and growing up in Lowestoft, they didn't have any gigs. It was like the only, the only thing they had was, was, you know, Norwich was kind of nearby. Um, and some bands would go through the, through the, the UEA in, in Norwich. Um, but other than that, it was like, cause you know, we'd be talking about gigs and I go, Oh yeah, I saw, you know, Metallica and I saw this, that and the other. And, and, um, uh, and he was like, well, we didn't really get to see anyone. And, not that I ever took it for granted, but it's weird when you think, you know, yeah. my my geography was really fortunate, you know, that we could we could go and see all these um all these bands. It was brilliant. But I still get excited about live music, you know, even though I've I've been surrounded by it every day for the last god knows how long. Well, not for the last year. Um, but uh yeah, I still get excited by it. And I still get excited buying records and you know, the music still excites me and it's the only thing that really that, that, that excites me yeah what, what was your first moment rich when you were like obviously you were around all of that and that's incredible what was like the what was like the first moment getting in a room with all your mates and like we always joke about it playing out the time playing out the tune but you're just making yeah. you're making music which is the that's the key yeah. to it like you know that's so, what it's about yeah it's just mate it was mates from school um and one of our i would have been Oh God! Probably been about second year comprehensive school. Um, so that's like probably thirteen, something like that, thirteen, fourteen. And um, one, I got sort of approached by some couple of lads from the year above um, who uh, who were like, "Oh, you you play guitar, don't you?" <laughs> yeah, 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 play guitar. <laughs> oh, do you want to? Uh, you know, do you want, do you want to? Form a band, and and it was it was literally that you know, um, and uh, and another friend of theirs um, had just got a job 
at a local rehearsal studio in Litchfield, Reptile House, um, which is a proper sort of old school rehearsal room, you know, uh, carpet, nicotine stained carpets on the wall and stunk <laughs> and it was, and it was brilliant. Um, but, uh, but he worked there. So he could, if we went in after like 10 o'clock or whatever, he'd get, he'd get a cheap deal. So, um, we used to do, uh, we, so we just got together and had a knock and then we used to do every Friday, five to seven rehearsals. Um, and you know, we, 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 in, we straight away started writing songs. Um, we do the odd cover. We did, uh, what did we do now? We did Talk Dirty to Me by Poison and um, 18 in Life by Skid Row, if I remember rightly. Um, but uh, but it, was just, it was just the greatest thing ever. Like, you meet your mates, you walk up with your guitar and that and talk about how you're going to, you know, set the world on fire and, um, and then go and play a really obnoxious music in a, in a little room for, for two hours. And, and it's just the greatest thing ever, you know. I mean, you've done it. It's it's brilliant, right? Yeah, man. Yeah, for you at that point, were you like, um, were you innocent to it? Like for me personally, I remember when we started out, there was an uh, an element of innocence. But then some of the mates we had, which you know, you know, you you know now, like your mooses and stuff, they yeah. they seem to have that little bit more knowledge of like you know your Panteras, and they were mentioning other bands, mm. but they almost yeah. knew like we got to do this, we got to get in the studio. Um, yeah. I just remember like when I first jammed with Shane, we were just jamming when we do, we didn't mm. really, we didn't know the key. We had a little dictaphone when we started, it was almost put that in the, in the corner yeah. of the room. And then yeah. the most technical we got was we worked out if you put a piece of paper in front of it, it, it kind of was a better, better, better quality. You could listen back. <laughs> yeah. It wouldn't distort it, man. But yeah, it, 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 was that was that an innocent period for you, just all about the rock and roll? And I think we were. I think I think all of us were quite innocent. And I mean, the other thing is, <clears throat> this was this would have been like I say, 1987, 88. So you couldn't <clears throat> you couldn't make demos at home. I mean, it, it, it's it like these days, um, if you you can form a band on a Monday and record an album on the Tuesday at home, you know, it, and mm. you've, you've got the, the technology right there to hand at home. There was none of that when, when I was first playing in a band. <clears throat> and um, uh, so in order to record, we had to go into an actual studio. And yeah. the reptiles where we used to record, they had a 16-track recording studio there. So, But we had to, you know, we had to pay our parents to lend us, I say lend, give us yeah. the money um, to uh, to record. And then, you know, we went in like Saturday and Sunday, um, recorded like about 50 songs, you know, as you do the yeah. first time you go in the studio. Um, and then, uh, and then we had to, you know, send the, send the, the reel to reel off and got the cassettes back. And um, so it, it was, it was like a really, it was, it was a big, it was a big thing, man. You know, when it wasn't, it, it wasn't the sort of thing where, you know, these days, pretty much every every band has has a has a recording of some description. Whereas back then, it wasn't really. You know, we had we had a demo. We've made a demo. You know, this is this is amazing, um, yeah. and uh, and it's um, and so I, I think I think we there was an element of innocence w with with us definitely because you know we. I mean, we knew that you went into a studio and recorded stuff, but until we went in and and saw what was going on, we we, yeah, we didn't really have we didn't really have any idea, you know. Um, yeah. But it was uh, 
it was just I don't know. I mean, it's I suppose it's very difficult to explain to uh, people who who weren't sort of didn't do that, who weren't in bands and and um, yeah. and experiencing that. Just how magical that was. I mean, some of the some of the greatest times of my life still, you know, were, were those um, were those early sort of rehearsals and and then you got a gig. And it was like it was mental. I mean, the first the first gig we did uh, um, was uh, was in the the school hall. <coughs> Excuse me, one one lunchtime. Um, and again, this would have been like probably eighty seven, eighty eight. Um, and we, I don't know how, but we persuaded the school it was a good idea to let us play in the assembly hall um one lunchtime so so um so we but we we saw it as like uh like it, like we were this was a, a big show you know we were going to put on a yeah. show and as it happened rab the drummer um who, who i'm still in, still in touch with actually he's a, he's a great guy and he was a brilliant drummer and he was sorry to digress but you were saying about moose and and the boys who knew yeah. about like all the bands and stuff he he knew about all these bands and the amount of bands that i discovered from him doing me um, uh, mixtapes was was brilliant. But anyway, he had um, what's the lesson where you cook home economics yeah. um, that that morning, uh, and so they made. And if if memory serves, I might have made my memory's terrible, right? So I I apologise if some of it's a bit sketchy. But I think he made chili con carne, and so we all went down there before the gig, like catering, and we, and so we knew that like at these gigs, bands had. We went for catering and stuff, and, and then um, and then we went and played Scott Hall, and, and a couple of things stick in my mind from that. At the time, now this band went through millions of of names, as I'm sure your early bands did. Every, every week you got a different name, and uh, and the the only reason I remember what the band was called at that particular time was we put um we hung a um a, like a bed sheet at the back of the stage, and during. During the song Aftermath, the band was called Aftermath. I'm sure there was a, there was a million and one school <laughs> bands called Aftermath. But uh, um, during that song, we had a song called The Name of the Band, which I always thought was quite cool. Um, he, One of our mates would come up and spray the, the band's name on the uh, on the bed sheet at the back in sort of like a graffiti style, you know, and um, which he did. But if now, again, I might be making this up, but I'm convinced that he spelt it wrong. So it was, I mean, that was ridiculous. But, but the other thing that sticks in my mind was I had two Marshall mini stacks as my backline. I was playing a white uh, Kramer um, guitar, a big pointy headstock and proper metal, big Floyd Rose thing on it. And I had two Marshall mini stacks and the hall was quite big. So I've got them cranked. Everything's on 10 all the way up. And uh, and the two of them together. The minute you switch them on, it's just. I mean, unless you're playing, you can't. I've got a mate of mine to sit by my two little Marshall ministers. I said, right, when I give you the nod, switch it on. Switch them. Sorry, switch them on. When I give you another nod, switch them off. I thought, and then you know, when when we're not playing, he knocks them off. And he's like, you got it. Yeah, yeah, I have got it. Yeah, no worries. So he starts the gig. I starts head banging, and he's going off, on, off. I don't know what. I don't know what's going on. And then, for some reason, at the end of the gig, and I've no idea why, we threw a load of uh, seven-inch singles out. They weren't ours. It was like I don't know Bon Jovi and, that he 
Lita Ford and just slinging them out, slinging records out. Why was that? I don't know why we did that. But it was it was amazing. That was the first the first sort of the first gig really. Um, the band ended up being called Gloy, and uh, we were actually really good. But it was it's we just I don't know one of those things where we 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 probably could have done okay, but we just we just couldn't. Not that we couldn't be bothered, but we just. Yeah, couldn't be bothered. It was like you know, we just <laughs> yeah. it, it was um, it was that that thing of sort of going into the next level. We just we were like, oh, you know, yeah. So. But uh, we had a fair bit of interest, um, but uh, but nothing nothing ever came of it. But some of the best laughs I've ever had were um, uh, with those lads in that band. It's brilliant. Were you were fun. you singing at that point, Richie, or was that just no, guitar? I, well, now so when we did the. Um, when we did the infamous school hall concert, I wasn't singing. We had a singer. See, I'm, I, honestly, I, I I'm not a singer. I, I really don't. I, I consider myself a singer. Shane, you yeah. are a singer. You know, you you you're absolutely a singer. I just I Thank sing you. because because no one else would do it really, and and that sort of carried on throughout my life. And and in those in those early bands when we first started, we had a singer. And um, and then it sort of didn't work out. It wasn't very good. So we thought, well, we'll get a different singer. And in between singers, I sang because, you know, the bass player couldn't sing. The drummer wasn't going to sing. So it was down to me. And, um, so I sang. And then we got another singer. And, yeah, it's like it's not really, you know, it's better with you singing or this isn't really working. So, yeah. all right, so he goes and I take up the reins again and then it happened again and then like even years and years later when um when uh when the, the darkness split up and dan phoned me and he was like um should we do you want to write some songs i'll see i said you'll sing won't you and, and it was just like i'll I was, i'll sing because there's no one else to do it you know and and uh that's that's still you know that 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 was just the case all the way along. So I never really, never really saw myself as a singer. I still don't see myself as a singer, um, and um, I just sort of do it because uh, because no one else wanted to. Do, <laughs> well, do you know that what I mean? must be like, so yeah, but you must. I, I disagree. By the way, you can. Yeah, yeah me too. Incredible. You got an I'm, incredible voice, dude, and your range is phenomenal. Please don't um, think I was saying that for, for any sort of, you know, just oh, no, no, honest no. I'd lay the press. I, did, I genuinely, genuinely feel like that. However, I enjoy singing. I yeah. do enjoy it, but I just don't, I struggle listening to myself, um, listening back to myself. And, uh, yeah, I've, I don't know. I've, it's, it's, um, yeah, I'm just, I just don't consider myself to be a singer. I mean, I've worked with some, proper singers you know and um and it's just i don't know I, I never i never consider myself to be in that sort of in that gang really do you know what i mean so we've always, we've always talked about your voice of um how dynamic it is because you can put the grit on it um well we were on about it the other day when we were dave and stuff how like you can go metal <laughs> Um, how you can sound really metal and then all of a sudden your balls out rock and roll like you know, that's really yeah. clever to do that and swing it with your voice um, I think, and then I, like I, Shane I, said your range is up there out of nowhere and you're like fucking hell well you know what that that that's not that wasn't my uh, my, my when we were 
writing the um, the Stone Ghost stuff for, for both records, um, Dan would we'd, we'd write whatever you know, we'd just sit around and be, be yeah, that's yeah, that's pretty good, yeah, that's good. And then he'd go, right, how far can we push the key? And you go, you go like, up a tone, and you're like, where are you? Yeah, there, there, there. He's, yeah, it's all right. Just push it again, and you. And, and and Nick Bryan, the the, uh, the the co-producer with Dan, would be like, "No, go on, push it a bit more. It's a good bit strange." <laughs> and in the All end, right. you know, I'd, I'd end up like with sort of you know Mariah Carey, like high seas, yeah. trying to get. And I'm like, oh, "I can't. What are you doing to me? This is ridiculous." But 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 they they both they both thought that um that that was where the sort of charm was in my, in my voice really when I was really sort of really pushing it and and those I guess those moments where it's it's almost it's almost bro- you know breaking do you know what i mean um yeah. but uh but yeah so those that that range if i'd had it my way i'd have just been down here but, uh, <laughs> but i didn't i didn't get the choice it was just pushed and pushed and pushed so yeah sink or swim really <laughs> so that must have been so daunting for you being the guitarist in music just rocking out to be in the front man, the pressure of being the front man. And if you're thinking in your head, oh, you know, I'm just, I shouldn't really be singing type thing. That must've put so much pressure on it. Yeah. I, 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 I don't know. I mean, it's, um, I suppose, I suppose it did really, um, in hindsight. Uh, but at the time it was, yeah, I think in hindsight, you're right. It probably, probably did add a, a, uh, an extra bit of pressure but at the time it was just um we just we were just like yeah be all right you know yeah. um and uh and just sort of i, I didn't ah uh, yeah did i feel any pressure i probably did feel a lot of pressure at the time actually yeah. <laughs> just think, thinking about it now yeah yeah but um um especially just... as especially as there was there was like um uh because because we'd sort of formed from the previous band um yeah. who had a phenomenal singer i mean justin is anyone who 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 you know sort of has the the notion that they've they've got him pegged and it's just a, a bit of a one trick pony with his falsetto and that is massively massively missing yeah. the missing the yeah. mark he is a, he is a phenomenal singer yeah. um and he is an exceptional frontman um yeah. of the, the highest caliber um and you know it was important for us to um to not distance ourselves from the donors but it was important that we were you know we were a different band um and uh and we we went out of our way to sort of to to um to to say that you know we're, we're not the same band, you know it's not it's not the Darkness Mark II. This is a completely different thing, and and even say you know just because you were into the Darkness, you may into this, you know. Um, mm. But even 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 though we were we were quite clear in saying that, and you know we knew in ourselves that we weren't the Darkness Mark II. I think you know I was still sort of in a, in, a, in in for. In a lot of people's minds, I was still sort of following that singer, and that was yeah. That in hindsight, that if I'm honest, you know, probably was a bit of pressure there, really. You know, yeah. I've seen some of but, your performances, dude, and it's like, you, honestly, I'm not just saying it now, but 
it looks like you've been doing it for for God knows how many years as, as a front man. I, I like watching you at um, download and stuff, and it's just like how oh, you control. You walk across the stage with the guitar, and then you come back to the microphone. It's like bang, this guy's killing it. Like there we go. <laughs> I appreciate that. Lord. Oh, that there you go. Look at that. That that gig was um um that was probably one of my favourites. Uh, even though it was the last Stone Gods gig, that was probably one of my favourite gigs. That um. It was uh, it was a sun. We did the Sunday, um, the Sunday of, of download, and um, or Donington, as I I still refer to it yeah. as. And we, we were first yeah. we, were, we were first on like eleven thirty or whatever on the Sunday, and um, it was a glorious day. The sun was shining. It was brilliant, and we drove over. Um, and I don't think any of us really expected. You know, we thought well. Maybe a few people will sort of get out their tents and you know who's on? Hey, what? Um, yeah. And there might be a, there might be a smattering of people. Um, but we went on and it was it was rammed like right up to the the mixing tower was just and it was going off. It was oh, it was amazing. It was it really was a fantastic gig. And um, we just I don't know. Everyone was in a brilliant mood. It was just if you were going to do one last gig. That was a great one to do, really. Even though we didn't know at the time it was one last gig, um, it was. Uh, it sticks. It sticks in my mind. I've got a real fondness for that show. Yeah, man. Like in the front row, Stone Guards t-shirts and. I know. Yeah, it was brilliant. It's brilliant. Yeah, in man. fact, Ro- Robin Goodridge, the, um, uh, the our fantastic drummer and raconteur, he um, uh, he was. We we played a new song at um at that uh, that Donington show. A song called "Going Under," and it's a, it's like a really sort of groovy, um, groovy song. It's like, and uh, and Robin, when we were when we were sort of writing the song and that we were, we were demoing it and listening to it, and uh, and he was going, "Yeah," he said, he's, "He's got it." He said, "It will just just swing." He said, it'll "Just swing," and then um, uh, sure enough, the camera and the footage pans down to this young lady on the on the front row who's sort of dancing. And um, and he, <laughs> we saw it. He goes, there it is, there it is. Look at him, it's swinging, it's swinging. <laughs> and it, and it, and it, and it, it was absolutely was in in more ways than one. Um, but yeah, it was, and that was. Do you know what? That was that was quite a. Um, we had like half an hour, and um, uh, and we we decided to play a new song, which was which was pretty mad, really. Just thinking about it, but uh, um, but yeah, it was a great great gig. I loved it. Absolutely loved it. And you know, it's, it's Donington, isn't it? It's Monsters yeah. of Rock. It's um, it's still still got that. You know, it's in 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 my head, and I'm sure yeah. in your heads too. It's yeah. still got that, uh, that, that there magic. It. Oh, there it is. Look at it. There's there, he goes. there he is. Go on, Tones. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Orko, there we go. Look at that. Yeah, oh, magic, magic. Killing it. Good times, man. There he is, Robin. Look at that. He's a well, yeah. he's a he's a machine, that man, man. He's he's the grooviest drummer you've, you've ever played with. He's amazing, amazing, yeah. really is. So, is that the oh first time you've actually played uh, Donington, bud? No, we did the year before. Um, we did uh, two thousand and eight. Was that two thousand? I think that was two thousand and nine. Um, yeah. And we did two thousand and eight on the second stage. We're like about. Two second, two second or third band on something like that, and that yeah. was a good show. Um, that was Robin's first gig 
Um, right. And uh, we'd had, we'd had a, I think we'd had a day's rehearsal. Um, uh, so we did Donington on the Friday. Um, on the Thursday, we rehearsed. On the Wednesday, um, Robin came up to uh, um, meet us in Norwich where we were rehearsing and listened to the album on the train. That's the first time he'd heard us. Uh, and then we played Donington on the Friday. And I was... <laughs> I was petrified. I was pacing up and down <clears throat> backstage just before the gig, just going like, oh, man. He's, and he, and he, was, he was as cool as a cucumber. He was like, oh, I'd be all right. I don't know what you're worrying about. It'd be fine. Sure enough, it was. Um, it was amazing. Yeah, but, but it was, uh, that was his, yeah, his first show. <laughs> wow. <That's amazing>. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he, didn't care. he didn't care. He was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, whatever. It'd be all right. And he and he was absolutely right, you know. We were in we were in safe hands. It was it was brilliant. It was fun. Yeah, so for, oh. for anyone like watching this now, obviously we know loads about you as well. But if we backtrack with it, you you were part of the darkness. Um was, was. you're part of their history <laughs> now, like you know. That was amazing. There it is, look at that. Oh my goodness! <laughs> Look at that. white white leather trousers. Oh my yeah, god. Boy. <laughs> <laughs> I used to I used to get I used to get flights in those things in the white leather trousers. What a knobhead. Unbelievable. <laughs> but um uh, it was brilliant. It was it was amazing. I'm not I'm not gonna lie, it was brilliant. It was everything you would want it to be and more besides. I didn't see it coming. You it it, it was it was totally out of the blue. I was I'd been working for the band as Dan's guitar tech for about I started working with the band just after Redding and Lee's 2003. Um, and the band were just, they were just doing, I mean, when I say it was, you know, it was on the, it, it was an incredible thing to be around. A band yeah, who were kick, yeah. kicking off the way that they were everywhere you went. It was amazing. It was amazing. And we did, um, uh, because of course the, the touring they were doing at the end of 2003 was had been booked for however long in advance. So they were going, in, we were going into like clubs, um, and it was just it was going off. It was so exciting, it was amazing. And then 2004 um, was relentless. It was nonstop. It was just round the world, round the world, round the world, round the world. Um, we started January with the big day out or the big day off as it's known uh, in Australia, which doesn't happen anymore, but it was, um, it was a touring festival in Australia, which was, it's legendary with, particularly with crews um, because you'll do, you'll do like a show and then have three or four days off and then a show and three or four days off. So, um, so we started off the year with that and finished with three sold out nights at Wembley. Um, and the whole year was just amazing. I mean, I, I've been, as I said earlier, I've been so lucky. I've worked with some brilliant bands and <clears throat> um, and I've done some some amazing shows um, and I've done some brilliant tours that I've absolutely loved. But that that year was it was just it was fantastic. It really was. Um, yeah. And then we uh, we finished um, finished two thousand and four. The band had to record uh, the second album. So we went into Rockfield. I was just I'd say we went in like I was going in to record the album. I wasn't. I was taking all the gear in. You know, I was driving down in the van with all the all the backline and all the guitars and stuff. And um, we were in Rockfield for three months. I want to say 
two and a half, three months um, doing backing tracks. <clears throat> and about two months into that um, uh, that session, um, that's when they joined the band. So I could tell, I could tell, I'm not going to go into the ins and outs and <clears throat> um, uh, the, the politics of it, but I could tell that, that something wasn't right and, mm. um, and it was, there was conversations in corners and, <clears throat> and I don't think, I don't, Justin hadn't been there much and, and, um, and it was all a bit, it was all a bit kind of weird. <clears throat> um, and then there was one night when uh, Dan was in the, in the control room at, uh, oh, sorry, we were in the control room, uh, myself and Roy Thomas Baker. <laughs> Mad, yeah, made a record with Roy Thomas Baker. <laughs> hey, unbelievable. Um, we were uh, we were in the control room. Dan was in the live room and he's just pacing up and down on his phone. And it was, it was on for like an hour went by and he's still on his phone. Two hours went by, and then he came through. <clears throat> came through in the control room. Went, Rich, can I have a word. Word. And I was like, Oh shit! I'm I'm getting sacked. What have I done? What have I done? And then um, and he went storming off, and I sort of followed after him and walked out of the studio into my bedroom at uh, Rockfield and he, he was just like, right. He said, uh, um, Rich, I said, yeah, what, 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 what is it? What, what have I done? He's like, Rich, he said, um, Frank is not in the band anymore and we want you to be our new bass player. Will you do it? And uh, I was like, what? Hey, hey, what are you on about? He said, will you, we want you to be a new Baseball. I was like, "Hey, just roll that back a minute. What, 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 what are you saying?" He said, "Look, yeah. Frank is no longer in the band. We want you to be our new bass player. Please say you will." I was like, "What, right. <laughs> why, why, why? Go on then, twist my Go arm." But, um, uh, but yeah, it was, it, and it, it was, it was just, and we had, I mean, we had a. We had a brilliant party that night, as you can probably imagine, a big old ding dong. Um, but it was just, it was like I was in some, I don't know, it's it like some mad dream or something, you know. And um, all I'd ever sort of wanted to do was was being a, um, you know, being a being abandoned tour of the world, and, uh, and I'd, I'd given up the idea of doing that years yeah. ago because because I got so busy as a as a guitar tech and a backline tech. Um, I, I couldn't commit to a band. I couldn't, you know, commit to rehearsals yeah. and all the rest of it. So I just kind of, you know, I'd accepted the fact that, all right, well, my band days have gone, but um, uh, I'm still, I'm still living the dream touring the world with, with other bands. This is still fantastic. And then suddenly it was like, there you go, Rich, you know, you, there's your golden ticket. And um, wow. it was, it was amazing. It was absolutely amazing. And, it, and I just had the best, uh, I think it was, it was like about 18 months um, before the band split up in spectacular fashion. Um, uh, but I just had, I had the best time. It was, it was fabulous. And um, um, yeah, I, I, I loved it. <laughs> I loved it. Well, we, were, we were watching that from the other side of the fence where they just, become a juggernaut of of yeah. of the rock world like you know we said in the promos they just become massive i mean you couldn't put on the tv without them collecting a brit award or then it they'd be just everything then headlining am i right they were headlining some of the major festivals like straight yeah. away off the bat there was no like was, working away bang it was mad it was mad yeah, yeah. it so really, was. <laughs> it really that. was that's, that's incredible like you it know it was it was 
and to be i mean to, to be a part of it um from from the point of view of a, of a member of the touring crew was was amazing because you're like just you know, <laughs> this is this is insane but then to be be in the band was um yeah it was it was it was just brilliant and um you know i don't i i look whatever happens um i'll always be a roadie at art and i i you know i had no sort of delusions of rock that's, that's rock star no? you know fantastic here we go um and uh, you know it was i was still very uh very much um uh i tried to sort of keep the feet on the ground and it's just as well i did really because uh like i said about 18 months later <laughs> but, but in, in, just saying that just saying that about um still being a, a roadie the first darkness show actually it wasn't technically the first darkness show but but um we'll call it the first darkness show that i, that I played um we did a a warm-up um, for the UK Arena Tour at Norwich UEA, and um, my my uh, I, so we're coming down for the for the start of the show. Walked down the stairs and we we had the huddle, and um, that that was that was good. That was like my first sort of huddle before the before the show, and it was usually Dan who would um, uh, who would speak, and we'd you know everyone would be like yeah. Um, and then I went to uh, I went to walk on the stage, and it was um, the the intro was staggered. So Ed would go on and start playing the drums, and then I'd go on and boom 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 boom, boom just start playing this bass line, and then Dan would go on and digga 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 digga, and then. Just in a come on, and then it'd all kick off. And yeah. um, so, so we'd, we'd done we'd done the huddle, and uh, Ed's gone and he started playing. And I uh, I went to to walk onto stage, and there was a bit of a lip on the stage, and my bass tech uh, Stuart Quinnell, um, who's uh, he's le legendary, um, he had. For a step, he'd used my uh, my little red tool case that I'd, I'd I'd toured the world, God knows how many times with me. It's it's my 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 roadie tool case. We've got little little red tool case about like that, and he put that down as a step to get me uh, to get me onto the stage. And um uh, and I thought that was a really sort of beautiful little yeah, I don't man. know, like a little you know yeah. like a little moment. Yeah, but I never unpacked that tool case, which was just as well because it wasn't long later that I was <laughs> I was using it again. But <laughs> um, <laughs> but it was a really nice little moment that was. It was like oh, you know, it's it's uh, it was uh, I don't know. I, there's probably a word for it, but I can't think of it just now. But but yeah, it was, no, I, it was I a great, that. great great moment. Yeah, yeah, without that, without the tech in, you wouldn't have had that opportunity. And no. yeah, yeah, so no. it was your step up, like physically. Yeah. Emotionally, yeah, was, mentally, yeah, absolutely. It was. It really was. It was. Um. Uh. Yeah. It was. It was cool. It was cool. But it was a great. It was. It was. I don't know. I, I keep I keep saying. Yeah. It was amazing. Yeah. It was great. Tell, great. Me, it was, tell it me really this was. bit. Tell me yeah. this bit. What was what was more nerve wracking? Stepping out on the first gig with the darkness as a bass player, or stepping out as the front man first gig of Stone Gods. Um. I. I. I would say probably. The um the um Stone Gods thing, even yeah. though it was it was yeah even though it was um uh even though it was 
I don't know. I don't. Hang on. Let me think. <laughs> um, we'll be back. Yeah, we'll go for a break. I think. I, I, I think it would be the Stone Gods thing because yeah. um, the, first, the the very first show we did for the uh, did for the darkness was um, was actually no. No, I completely lie. I've, I'm lying to you. I told you my memory's awful. Now, the first the first performance that I did with The Darkness was um, Letterman. Um, and that was nerve-wracking because we hadn't really rehearsed. We did a song called Is It Just Me on Letterman. Uh, oh, and that, was, that, that was my first sort of performance with The Darkness. And that was... 10 million people, something like that. Oh, ridiculous. Wow. <laughs> and, um, wow. and we hadn't, we hadn't really rehearsed the song. In fact, we hadn't rehearsed the song to the point where there should be backing vocals, but we'd not even worked out the harmonies. So, so there's no, there's no BVs. It was just, it, and um, that was, uh, that was pretty nerve wracking. Yeah. That was probably more nerve wracking than the, the, um, the first Stone Gods gig, which was at uh, De Montfort Hall supporting Thin Lizzy. Um, but um, yeah, I think the Letterman thing was was quite scary. But the first full darkness gig was was um, it was like a private thing, and I think there was some roy- some royalty there maybe as well. So that was a bit weird. Um, yeah, I think I think the the Letterman thing was probably the most the most uh, the most <laughs> the most scariest thing. <laughs> That's amazing, dude. So Stone Gods, obviously, that 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 was an easy transition, obviously, because you knew the guys, and like you said, you yeah. didn't want to be the the darkness too, as you said. And no, I mean that album. I mean, we wish we were we were with you for the whole journey. But the truth is, I'd love to say that that I was a fan from the beginning. But thank goodness, friends of ours turned around and said, "You have got to check out this record." It was Moose for me, I think. He was like, yeah. you've got to check out this record. It's brilliant. And oh, then bless him. basically all of Bridgend were on this record then. It was just like... <laughs> um, oh, still I, love the, I love the Welshies, man. Oh, me, me, and Toby, me, me and Toby very often say, we, we've, we've, we've still, to meet a Welshman we don't like. They're just a <laughs> fantastic bunch. Oh, oh I, I just show you a few minutes. Oh, we can show you... <laughs> I, 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 like to, I like to keep it Welsh based with um with work as well. I've worked for so many Welsh I mean for the last the last two probably coming up three years, um I've been looking after Kelly from the Stereophonics. Um yep. Tom Jones I was working with before that. Obviously Bullet for My Valentine I did for about six or seven years. So I, I do like to keep things um keep things in fact Stuart Cable played in Stone Gods for um a gig as well. Um I did so, hear that. Yeah, yeah so yeah, yeah. so I, I, def- I definitely like to keep it uh keep it Welsh based. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, just even it then on the bullet thing, but there because I don't want to. I, I, yeah, you ended up doing like a super group with with Kev. Oh, now. I mean, Kev's that was amazing. Kev's family with us, like, do you know what I mean? Yeah, we love yeah. Kev. Oh, um, I love Kev. But, I, love but Kev. I had a text. I had a text off Moose going, um, "Check out YouTube." Um, <laughs> and there's, there's a video of yourself, Calvin. Um, yeah. yeah, yourself, Calvin, Kev, and Moose. As That's this right. super group, um, super grouper. So we, we super, the super grouper, bullet were, we were playing in um, bullet were playing in uh, Mexico City. I forget the name of the venue. Oh, sorry, I just burped. Um, playing in Mexico City. It was it was a it's probably four or five thousand cap 
gig. And the in the afternoon, the support band um, just phoned up and said, well, we can't do it. So there was no support. So uh, so we were like, well, we got a, we still got a crew band, you know, we'll, we'll do it. And, uh, and Matt Tuck and, uh, um, and the boys were just like, yeah, go on, you do it. So we... Um, so we did, and we we called ourselves Supergroup because, like, I was in a couple of bands. Um, Kev was obviously in Acid Rain and Lawnmower Death. Yeah. Calvin was from the, from the Smoking Arts, and um, because the drum tech couldn't play the drums, Moose was our drummer. So we thought Supergroup would be a good uh, good thing, and we did. Um, Matt introduced us in the style of a, a wrestling uh, commentator, <laughs> and he he actually introduced us as. Uh, uh, Los Anos Horribles or something like that, I think it was. <laughs> but um, uh, but uh, um, and we did we did um, totally off the cuff. We hadn't rehearsed. It was brilliant. We did um, we came on with Breaking the Law. Then That's we it. did yeah, yeah. then we did the Trooper and then we did Whiplash. There it is. Yeah, there they are, boys. I'm not, I'm not joking. I'm not joking. No exaggeration. There was four thousand Mexicans in there, and they were going nuts, man. They were they were loving it. It was brilliant. But yeah, that was that was fun, man. Okay, uh, <laughs> oh my god, that. that was so much fun. Yeah, that really and that story good. genuinely. Now that story filtered back to Wales. It was like, <laughs> man, you've got to check this video out. You've got to. It was brilliant. just like, whoa. Um, and then when we brilliant. seen Kev, Kev was like, it was brilliant. Bag, you can it imagine was. Kev. It was like Kev, second. So we did. We did breaking the law. Finish that song. Kev, top off. He's just got his shorts on. He's goose stepping <laughs> around the stage, having it. It was amazing. It really was. It was like it's like we were we were we were headlining this thing or something. Going, Mexico, come on, Mexico, scream for me, Mexico. That sort of thing. Yeah, yeah it was fantastic. Yeah, it really was. I was telling the boy you that in the week. Yeah, because you did the you did the trooper. Yeah, I think you did the trooper. And, and whiplash as well. Yeah, whiplash. Um, yeah. But when you did the trooper, it was yeah, it was that line there. Uh, Scream for me, Mexico! <laughs> <laughs> it's madness, isn't it? It's madness, it really is. But yeah, we had to have Moose playing. I think Moose really liked it though, because he was it was a warm up for him. Like he did, yeah. he did a three song warm up. There's Kev with top off. Look at him marching <laughs> around the stage. That was brilliant. Oh, good times, man. Good times. Oh, man. And obviously Brilliant. you got the you got the jam with the boys as well, like staying on point. But there with the um, you you stepped in for the BBC with the the whole lot of Rosie, whole lot of Rosie. Um, yeah, that's right. Yeah, that's right. that was good, man. That was like it was um, I was I was pretty tight actually. That was. I did a um, a couple of things. Um, uh, what's the song called? There's a song that used to do occasionally live and and um. We only did it a couple of times, but Matt had never, uh, he'd never just been a, been able to sing, you know, he'd always sort of had the guitar there. So um, I think he quite liked the idea of having a bit of freedom and a, a, just to sing into a microphone. So I played um, I played a bit of guitar live a couple of times and Breaking Point, that was a song. Oh, there's a, is that the Hollow Rosie thing? Yeah, 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 man. I was good. That went out live on, on Radio 1, I think. It's ridiculous. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's so, the thing. Yeah, I remember listening cool. to it live, and then obviously, it, um, I, I can't remember what the year this was. And then remember seeing it appear later. It was almost like, yeah. oh, I didn't know that. And when I seen you playing guitar, then I was like, fuck it, hell. Yeah, it was good, man. Oh, I miss the boys, man. I miss the boys. We had yes. some last, it's like I've, as I keep saying, I'm, I've been so lucky throughout my career. I've worked with worked with some incredible bands, and um, I, but the, the laughs that I've had with with bullet 
um, were just. I think if I were to write, um, if I were to write a book about my uh, my career at the my, my time at the Rock and Roll Coalface, which I never will, by the way. But if I were to, um, I think the chapter about Bullet would be the most heavily censored. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 No, we we're their mates, we had, and, it, and it, you, you know what I mean. Everything. <laughs> <laughs> we had some brilliant times, man. I, I miss, I do, I do miss the boys. Really but you do. said one, but they, they, they completely shook me. I mean, I knew about the phonics. You've done Faith No More, yeah. am I right? Faith um, No More, yeah, that was amazing. Yeah, that was another. That was another. That was another pinch me moment. You know, I mean, listening to the the real thing when it came out. Again, it was my brother. He was a Faith No More fan. He had uh, introduce yeah. yourself. Um, and then he bought the real thing when it came out, and I was like, oh, what's this? And, and you sort of put it on, amazing. I was like, this is incredible, and I was a huge fan. And then, you know, I ended up working with him, and that was that was amazing. That was amazing. There's been a few of them. Robert Plant was another one. Um, working with him was – now, there you go, Shane. There's a singer. Oh, oh my wow. God. Wow. Mate, honestly, so the first – I was so lucky to, to – to be working with him, it was my, I mean, it's one of those moments where you you're like, right, I've got to I've got to play it cool. I'm here to do a job. Yeah. I'm not a fan. I'm not a fan. I've never liked Led Zeppelin. I don't know, Robert. Who? I know it's cool. Um, <laughs> but a, a very good a very good mate of mine, Ollie, is is his um, production manager, and there was some stuff that the regular tech couldn't do, so I came in to uh, to fill in. And we had uh, we were in um, rehearsals, this lovely uh, lovely place in um, Somerset rehearsing. And uh, setting the gear up, <clears throat> and the band turn up, and Robert turns up, and they say, "Don't meet your heroes," which is absolute bollocks because ninety nine point nine percent of the time, ninety nine point nine percent of the heroes I've met have been lovely. Robert Plant was no exception. He was amazing. He was the funniest, uh, most down to earth, loveliest guy you've ever had the pleasure to meet, and um. And then they started rehearsing and he started singing. Oh my God. It's like, if you had any doubt about whether or not he'd still got it, oh, it's incredible. I mean, the air's on the back of my neck are going. But so it gets to the, gets to the end of the set and they're working out a new, um, like a long intro to whole lot of love. And they're sort of getting it and they're, they're getting it going. And the drummer's getting it going. Everyone's joining in. And then Skin, one of his guitar players, Fires up the den in and in and that sounds all right. But then Planty, he grabs his mic, he kicks the stand, grabs it with the other hand, and he goes, You need to and it was like, Oh my god. Honestly, yes. honestly. Oh, I'm, t I'm, t I'm shivering just thinking about it. It was the most incredible noise you've ever heard in your life. It was amazing. Oh, did he do god. did he do much? I'm really interested about that now. Did he do sort of much warm-up or was it just bang, he went straight in? Yeah, no, he was. Well, I, d I mean, I don't know before he starts singing in how much warm up he does. I know he has a he has a special drink that uh, Ollie makes for him, um, but uh, but I don't I don't. If I'm honest, I don't know how much actual vocal warm ups he does before. Yeah. Um, uh, I tell you what, Rich, before, can, you, can you can you find out for me what that drink is and and uh, yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, but that that was that was incredible. And then we did um, we did later with Jules. And um, uh, and after the um, after the show, we were all in. It's like a hotel just just nearby um, the studio in Maidstone, where generally you, you stay. And um, 
So the band, the, we finished the recording, the band went back there and we um, packed the gear away, loaded the truck back to the hotel. And as we were walking through, Robert sat in the bar with a couple of the band and he's like, oh, that's gone. So there's a tab open, sit yourselves down. And um, so, so we sat down he said, well, they wanted to close it, but I said, no. So they kept it open. And, um, and he, was, he was in the chair all night, um, whatever you wanted. And we sat down and I'm sat there Robert's next to me. There's a couple of couple of the band and a couple of the crew. And for two, three hours, he just it was story after story after story after story. And bear in mind, the last twenty years yeah. I've spent touring America, sitting in lying in my bunk in American tour buses, reading Hammer of the Gods and going, Oh my god, they read these stories. I've got straight from the horse's mouth and wow. and and like you can see why the books get written about him because he'll tell you anything it was like nothing was nothing was off limits it, unbelievable unbelievable and all those things that that you you you've been told in hammer of the gods oh yeah not, that's not true turns out some of them are you know it's amazing <laughs> but he, yeah. he, it, it was um it was just unbelievable it really was and it was a, you know that's another pinch me moment amazing absolutely incredible yeah, I've been wow. I've been very I have been very lucky. Tom Jones was an I mean that's a singer. Oh my god. I was just gonna say that to you, mate, because I like I said, I've I've followed you for years and stuff, mm. and I didn't know the Tom Jones thing. Like I, I knew stereophonics and I knew Faith No yeah. More, I knew I knew yeah. Bullock, I knew but I didn't know that, man. That's uh, was that recent oh, that or was amazing. that years ago? Yeah, it was two, 2000 and 2019. Um we did uh, I did um um did an American tour and um Oh my God! It's just like it's effortless. It's absolutely yeah. effortless. He opens his mouth, and this thing just comes out. And oh my God! It's just unbelievable. And again, what a sweet bloke! A really, really lovely, lovely fella. Um, and he's obviously good friends with Kelly. Kelly's another one, man. My God, that his voice is yeah. just unbelievable. And the sweetest, sweetest guy. I, I must say, um, there's obviously the last year has been. Dreadful for for mm. bands, for people, for yourselves, for crew, for for everybody in the in the live. You know, a, just over a year ago, the live music business just gone, finished, doesn't happen anymore. Um, and it's been it's been really tough times. And there's there's a lot of bands have been doing some incredible stuff for their crew. Um, I mean, um, Radiohead, I worked with Radiohead as well. That was amazing. But they just released some um, some uh, special T-shirts today, um, the, the proceeds of which go into their crew. Faith No More did a whole range of, of merch and, um, uh, and masks and that sort of stuff. All the proceeds going to the Brian Ferry. I think he's latest album, all the proceeds are going to his crew. And so th there's some... There's a lot of bands doing some amazing stuff. Nick Cave, I think he did some stuff for his crew. Um, but there's also a lot of bands who are doing stuff um, on the QT. And I've got to say, without going into any specifics, um, we, with the, the Stereophonics, we were, we were the last, well, there was, there was us and Lewis Capaldi were the last couple of tours that were happening just before lockdown, yep. just before everyone went, no, that's it. Um, we were the, the last tours touring. And we had, we had shows booked, um, up to September, um, and obviously those shows weren't going to happen. Um, but the boys, they, you know, they, they, um, um, I can't go into specifics, but they've, they really looked after their their core crew um, on the QT. You know, no one knows about it, um, but they, 
they really took care of us um and uh, and I, I know there's a there's a couple of other bands that i know um have, have done the same um and i think i think that's just fantastic i really do you know we were yeah. we were um we were we were blessed um but he's yeah he's a lovely guy they're, they're a lovely lovely bunch of in fact i ended up playing um piano on their last record um oh, which wow. was uh wow. which was weird you yeah it's on. funny how things come about isn't it well we'd gone into um we were i'd gone in with them to record the last album in um just you know look after the gear and stuff um in uh in wiltshire <clears throat> somerset and um uh and one more, you know, I'm just, there's a beautiful um, upright Bosendorfer in the studio. And, and I'm not, look, I'm no Richard Claderman, but I know a few chords and I enjoy having a play, you know. Um, yeah. And I'm having, I'm having a bash one morning and, and uh, Kelly comes in and he went, oh, play piano, do you? I said, well, <laughs> I said, not, not really. I said, but, um, you know, I can I'll play a few chords. Went, oh. Later on that, um, uh, that afternoon, um, that was, George Draculius was um, was co-producing the record with um, with Kelly and our oh man. What a character he is! That was that's brilliant. Um, anyway, uh, so there was they were recording one particular song and it, it needed some piano. And um, Kelly said, uh, "Rich, you want to you go and play a piano?" So, well, <laughs> yeah, okay, fair enough. And they sort of wrote the chords down and and I did it. And then you know there was another song. And I said, oh, you know, play some on this as well and and then i played some organ as well and then i did some backing vocals and um but it was it was uh it was brilliant and i, I ended up and he sent me when they got the they got the uh, the artwork done and he sent me a copy of the artwork and sure enough you know it's got um vocals and guitar kelly jones bass richard jones drums whatever <coughs> piano richie edwards and the album went to number one so i for, for a, uh, like a week or two weeks or however long i was the number one piano and organ player in the uk even though i can't really play very well <laughs> yes <laughs> funny, funny funny how Ooh. things go isn't it <laughs> that's, that's a mean story brother. that's yeah. a mean story i had no idea <laughs> yeah it's funny it's funny really isn't it wow. yeah <laughs> incredible but we, we can't we can't have you not talk about this this album that um you did back in yeah. 2008 because this was yes. a big impress as ronnie's ronnie's not messing there that, like in Bridgend in particular well she <laughs> loved this album silver spoons and broken bones man from start to finish it is so if you haven't heard this guys crow family anybody watching what an amazing album this is and i'll tell you why there's so many influences mm -hmm. on this album, right? Like Burn the Witch, are you in excess? Are you Iron Maiden? Started something Tom Petty, Aerosmith. Oh, oh Tom Petty. Tom yeah. Petty, dude. It's all over wow. that song. Uh, oh, started something. Um, it's like Thin Lizzy, Three Colours Red. I mean, are you that? Metallic, yeah. <clears throat> Audio Slave, Chris Cornell vibe. ACDC. Oh, oh, I went through with Chris Cornell once. That's another story. I can't get into that. Oh, um, what are you <laughs> Yeah, you come back no. to the album. Tell us that story. Uh, no, I, I, well, I didn't. I want to say I went swimming with Chris Cornell once. Um, we were mixing the the Darkness record at the Village Recorder in Santa Monica, and we were staying at the um, Beverly Hills Hotel. We were there for about two months. Um, it must have cost an absolute fortune. Yeah. In fact, Dan's Dan's extras bill alone for the time he was there was. Uh, 
Anyway, um, so we had if every every morning we'd go and uh, sit by the pool, and we had a, a cabana by the pool, and um, and we'd, we'd sit by the pool, mess about in the pool, and then the studio would ring, and we'd go and listen to whatever mix. And um, and the one morning, um, yeah, Chris Cornell was in there with his uh, with his with his baby and son, um, just doing some lengths, and uh, and so you know, so dived in and. Uh, all right, Chris. Oh my God, that's that's Chris Cornell. You know, amazing, absolutely amazing. But it's yeah, it's 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 one of those sort of you know one of those kind of hotels where you sort of give one a nod and they go well, sort of nod you back. But um, yeah, it was amazing. Yeah. Anyway, the um, that's, uh, that's the, amazing. So, You've been swimming with Chris Cornell. I'd have to breaststroke past him and go. No one sings like you anymore. Oh my god! How sad, how sad was that, though, man? How oh, sad was that? Just awful. What mate. a voice! Do you, what do you reckon to his 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 uh, version of patience? Ah, uh, beautiful dude. Any whenever he strips how back, it? how good whenever is he that, strips man? back any song, that voice comes through, mm. and it's just it's so intimate and so touching and. Amazing. It's incredible, but I mean, really you know, amazing. you wrote that lyric, no one sings like you anymore. Mm. And it's just, now you look back and think, yeah, you're absolutely right. It's about tingles. you. Like, you know, yes, tingles, man. That really is. Whoa. Yeah. Oh, God. Yeah. <clears throat> um, but the, um, um, Silver Spoons and Broken right. Bones was, uh, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm knocked out that you, uh, that you even, uh, you even like anyone even liked it. It was it was a weird time. Ooh. It was it was really strange. And and like I have a I have a strange. Well, I've I've always had a strange relationship. Not always. Um, when the when everything sort of split up and the darkness reformed, um, my relationship with that album, if I'm completely honest, um, got a bit weird really. And um, I haven't listened to it for. God knows how long. The only time I do is if something pops up on on shuffle, <clears throat> and um, invariably I would just skip. But ahead of coming on here, um, I've listened to it a couple of times. I listened to it a couple of days ago and listened to it today, and um, it like it is actually pretty good. It is. Yeah. I was listening to it previously when I've listened to it. Um, I've heard like I, I could hear. The, the, there was a lot. There was a lot going on when we were writing this this record and recording this record. And and although we had some some brilliant laughs and and a lot of fun, there was, it was also quite a dark time. I mean, the darkness had just split up. The fallout yeah. of that, as you can you guys can probably imagine, was massive. And Dan was having to sort of you know he'd got. It got that on his shoulders, um, and every day was, you know, it was calls from lawyers, it was calls from the bank, it was calls from the label, it was calls from, and he's having to sort of fend these off at the same time as we're trying to yeah. write some songs for an album of a band that doesn't exist. I mean, wow. it, normally you would you would write some songs, you go out and do a few gigs, and then you'd you'd record an album. Whereas we didn't do any of that. We just sort of we just kind of got together after the donor split up, and um, and started writing some songs and we didn't know what band we were. We didn't know what we were about or we didn't know um, what the sort of live approach would be or, or anything. Um, and it, there was some, you know, everybody individually um, was dealing with shit and collectively we were dealing with shit as well. I mean, there was, there was divorces, there was, you know, it was, it was a dark time. 
Um, and I, I don't want to paint too big a picture because we had a lot of fun making it, a lot of fun. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, um, touring it and all the rest of it, it was, it was great fun. But I think because everything sort of fell apart and the darkness reformed, um, I think I just, you know, that thing where it's like, I don't want to be reminded of it. And, and the yeah. album reminded me of it. And I, I would hear... Yeah, I would hear the sort of the, the negativity rather than the the positivity. Um, yeah. And, yeah. Um, and so I had a bit of a weird relationship with it. Um, and then, like I say, just listening to it a couple of times recently, um, I I think, I hope, I've sort of got over that. Um, you mean you were saying about singing earlier, Shane, and um, um, like there's very, there's a couple of points in the album where I'm sort of happy with my vocals yeah. Yeah. um and the rest of it i just i'm just like, oh i wish i could just go back in and, and do it again you know um and that's that's sort of that's hard as well but you have to just go right that was a moment in time yes. that album was made man that's it it's done you know yeah. and and sort of you know um and not think like that about it do you know what i mean so yeah it, um, it, it is hard but we've had these conversations when we've sp spoken to other musicians it is very difficult for a musician to hear it as joe public use it because mm. we pick it apart we you know oh yeah. if we go back in and redo that part but dude there's nothing but energy there's some really killer songs killer hooks yeah. killer riffs the vibes yeah. from it but like i said right this so I mean I I know Tom Petty's a big sort of inspiration. Are you aware oh. of that when you when you write in songs and these parts and think, oh dude, then a reminder of is that a conscious thing or was it just? Um, it, I mean you, you you can't help but absorb what's what's around you and and yeah. uh, and what you listen to. But it's certainly not a, a a conscious thing. I'm sure it's the same with yourself. You don't sort of sit down and go, right, we're going to write a song that in the, in the style of, um, yeah. it just sometimes sort of happens and you will have that moment of, in fact, recruitment, um, when we were recording, uh, the one way ticket, the second darkness album, there's a couple of moments in, in the studio, um, where Dan sort of would have me, I've, I've, I've got quite a good musical knowledge. Um, and, uh, and I, I love a, a Music quiz, by the way. If ever you're doing one, I'd love to take part. <laughs> oh, cool. Um, but but uh, I love him. But but anyway, so he would he would sort of very often turn around and go, "That reminds me of something. What what does it remind me of?" And and you know, you'd be like, oh, I, can't, "I can't really hear anything." But but occasionally you will sort of write something and and go, "That reminds me of such and such," or yeah. it's in the style of such and such. It's not. I don't think that's ever a um, an intentional thing where you set out to do that. You know. Um, yeah. it's weird recent, like over, over lockdown, um, I've, uh, end of 2019 after my number one chart success, uh, playing the piano, <laughs> I, I bought, <laughs> I bought a piano and, um, uh, and I'm really glad I did because in lockdown, you know, it was, well, what did we do? We, we watched me and the, me and the missus watched, um, all 86 episodes of the Sopranos because we hadn't watched it first time around. Oh my God, wow. that was amazing. Amazing. Oh, unbelievable. Um, and we watched uh, all of Peaky Blinders, which we hadn't watched first time around, which was brilliant. And now we're, uh, we've gone back and we're re-watching Breaking Bad for the second time. And it's better the second time, actually, I've got to say. Anyway, oh, wow. other than that, um, other than that, um, I've just been sort of playing the piano and, and, and writing songs. 
yeah. I've written loads of songs. But I've just got this weird thing um, going on now where, uh, and I, th- I think I know what it is, but I just can't, I'm writing, writing something, it's great, yeah, this is really good, and then you sort of record it, and, and you record the backing track, and you're thinking, you've got a sort of melody idea in your head, and, yeah. you know, oh, this could be about this, and then do the backing track, come to look at um, lyrics and a melody, and I just, I just can't, it's like I've, I don't know, it's like the door sort of shuts, and everything I try just sounds rubbish, or it sounds like, oh, no, that's not right. And so I think, oh, well, I'll leave it, I'll come back to it, and then, write another song and I've got so many backing tracks some of which I think are brilliant um but I just can't I just can't get past it. I don't know what's I don't know what's happened and uh well I didn't know what happened but I think it's um I think it's I, th- I just need to write with somebody mm. do you know what I mean like it's yeah. really difficult to um it's really difficult to to write on your own because you can't create something and have the the that filter of whether it's good or shit you can't do both you know unless you're very lucky you know you can't look at it objectively and go mm, that's not really very good that you know you, you could because you've you've created it you know um i think yeah. it's quite difficult to do that and so i think i miss writing with somebody yeah you know no that's a good I really, point really miss doing that because we we we're right in at the moment now, and um, but I've I've had many chats with the boys. You know, you take it to a certain le- uh, level, um, yeah, and you got these ideas, but you need the other boys' input, yeah, Definitely. to just spark it off, maybe in a different Definitely. direction or the energy of somebody else, and that's yeah. why the, you know right then with the crows is brilliant because. We all like the same stuff, but we got different vibes and different styles, yeah. and it's that that's really important. What sets you apart from anybody else is the people you're working with. So I, I totally yeah, get what you're saying, Rich. Definitely. Totally. I mean, look at just looking at um, Silver Spoons and Broken Bones. Um, the in fact, the, the title of that um, album it was Toby who came up with the title of the album, and it was that was really um, uh, it's a real uh, it's a good reflection of of what it was like at the time because. The diners had split up and we were squirreled away in Dan's house um, where he had a studio writing mm. some songs. And it was being written about in like the tabloids, in the sun and the mirror. And there was like, you know, things in, in these, in, in daily newspapers with all, oh, Justin's left the darkness, but it's okay because the, the bass player is going to sing and it's going to be fine. We had no intention of being the darkness Mark yeah. two, you know, that was just, that was, that was, was never on the agenda, but, but, but to the outside world, not that anyone really cared. I'm not, I'm not thinking for a second that the people were even giving us a second thought, but, but the perception was that we were living in a golden palace, drinking unicorn milk, you know, and, and, you know, and being, <laughs> yeah. being waited on, being waited on by, I don't know. Maybe, maybe, that's what, or whatever. maybe that's what Robert Palmer was drinking, dude. <laughs> Robert Plant. Yeah. Robert Plant, you, Robert Palmer. You, unicorn milk. Robert yeah. Palmer does drink unicorn milk, actually. I've seen him. Robert Plant, um, but, but, uh, And Silver Spoons and Broken Bones was, was, uh, was a sort of put a plan that, well, you think that it's one way, but in actual fact, you know, it's, it's really not. It's, it's, yeah. it's quite, um, there's a lot of, a lot of, uh, 
there's a quite a you know, you know, dark element really to this whole thing. Um, yeah, well. But we would just we would just sit around um, sit around a table with a couple of acoustic guitars. We'd never write in a live room with um, electric guitars and drums. And it's just I think from the, that sort of mindset of if a song is good on an acoustic guitar, yep. it's good. Do you know what I mean? Yep. If if when you if you know a song's great when you strip it back to its bare yep. essentials and it still sounds amazing. So that's the way we wrote every song. And nothing was off limits, you know. Someone would just play something and then someone else would chime in and would sort of write some lyrics and um and everyone would just throw their two penneth in and, and that was that was that was sort of how that album came about. And album two sort of came out very much the same way. Um and I I think I just really miss I miss you know that sort of bouncing ideas off someone and and someone going rich that's really good or rich that bit's really shit you know and, and just having that that interaction i think um i really I really miss that so yeah. exclusively there was there was a second album is there that going to see is that actually going to see the light of day because uh, we said as soon as we get you on, yeah, we, we, we're, we're literally going to probe you. If you can't yeah. say nothing, that's that's absolutely fine. But I can I can say um, something, uh, Ronnie. Um, it was it was recorded in when did we record it? So we, we, it was probably two thousand and eight, two thousand and nine. In fact, when we did Donington, we'd just sort of written everything and um, and started recording. Or we rec- I don't know. The dates are quite hazy, but it was some time ago. Um, and uh, and we finished it, um, with the exception of a few guitar solos, and um, um, it was it was done. Um, and everyone went their separate ways. The recording process was like night and day to Silver Spoons and Broken Bones. That was a um, it was a very long process. Um, whereas the second album was just it was like songs were just appearing, and they were like. Every single one was great, and the recording was um, was like a week or two weeks or whatever. It was it was a completely different experience. Um, but yeah, it was done, and then just after it was finished, um, Dan reformed. Well, not Dan reformed the darkness. The darkness reformed, um, and uh, and so Stone Gods was essentially no more. Um, I'm not. I'm not going to lie. You know, I was. I was. I was gutted at the time. Um, but uh, everything happens for a reason. Anyway, that album sat on a, a dusty hard drive um, until there was a, uh, um, a global pandemic, um, which sort of kicked Dan Hawkins into into gear, um, and he took the, uh, the tracks into his studio and mixed them. And we, it was, it was so out of the blue. So one afternoon, nice as you please, just getting on with lockdown life, doing some, uh, I don't know, probably baking some banana bread or something. And um, <laughs> the, the, the WhatsApp pinged and it was, um, you've been added to the group SG2. And I was like, the fuck was SG2? And I'm like, look, Toby's on it and... Dan set it up and Robin's on it. I thought this is really, really weird. <laughs> and this message, message came through from Dan. It was like, right, look, um, I've, I've obviously I've got a bit of time, so um, I've been looking at the album and um, I'm going to mix it. So uh, there you go. 
and we yeah. uh, we sort of we we thought we thought no I was like well this is this is great and I sort of spoke I spoke to Tobes I'm like Tobes man this is brilliant he said oh no yeah but I think both of us thought well you know we'll see because Dan's a busy man he's got a lot going on yeah. he's got obviously writing for the art and he does I think he does some music for like, kids TV shows and stuff and um so he's a busy man and we just thought well we're not probably not going to hear anything more about this but you know it's nice to chat about it um and a day or two later ping this message came through check your emails and the first rough mix well say rough mix it's the only mix we've got of at the moment the first mix of um a song called life on file um came into our inboxes and oh my god it was like it i'm i'm buzzing about it it was like christmas it's like this is this is fun you know it just it felt fantastic um on a for a number of reasons, firstly, the song sounded really good, but it was just the idea that finally it might it might get finished, and if that's all we ever do, we, at least it's you know it's underlined. It's like right, it's finished, it's done, done. Um, so it felt good. But listen to that and great, brilliant, and everyone's oh, it's, it's fantastic, it's really good. And then um, you sort of think, well, yeah, we we probably won't get another one. Yeah. Sure enough, next day, ping, another one. And then ping, next day. And it was like, but the thing was, because you've got to bear in mind, like none of us had, well, we hadn't heard these songs for 2009, 10, 12, 11 years, 12 years. So you sort you forget about them, you know. I've got some yeah. some old demos of them, you know, which occasionally after a few too many sherbets, Tobes and I do some misty-eyed reminiscing back at my flight in Brighton. Um, but other than that, we'd not, you know, we'd not heard them. And it was like everyone was coming through. I was going, wow, this is really good. And completely um, conversely to uh, Silver Spoons and Broken Bones, I'm like, I'm really genuinely happy with all of my vocal performances on this record. And, and that felt really good as you know as as a non-singer to hear your voice and be be like be pleased with with with, with your performance felt amazing so um so he finished it he he mixed them all um there's probably a few mixed tweaks to do and it needs uh mastering but it's it's pretty much done and we had when there was that um when there was the the um slight let up in the lockdown restrictions last November, October, November. Um, we had a, a socially distanced get together, myself, Dan and, and um, Tobes around at Toby's place when his, um, his lovely lady was, was away. Um, we descended on his, uh, on his house <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> and we got Robin on uh, FaceTime in LA cause he, he lives in, um, lives in LA now because uh, he was a drummer in Bush and Bush reformed and it's, it's a yeah. long story. Yeah. Um, and uh, so we had him on FaceTime and we were listening to the record and we were having a few beers and it was just, it's like, it was like the last sort of 12 years had never happened. It was, it was wow. amazing. It was fantastic. Yeah. So we're all, so we're really excited about it. And, and the, what we didn't want to do was I think over the years, in fact, Tobes and I sort of spoke it a couple of times and just said, "Well, let's just let's just leak it. Let's just you know just mix it and just put it on the internet, just so it's out there and it's otherwise 
we just wasted our time back then. You know, we made this record that no one's going to hear. Um, let's just give it away. And then we sort of heard the final record and went, oh, it's, it's actually it's a bit too good to to do that with. You know, it's um, um, so we I think we're gonna we're gonna do something with it. Um, we've had there's there's been a there's been a, a bit of interest um, from various uh, record labels, which is amazing. We never thought that would we never thought that would happen. Um, but there has been a bit of interest, um, and we're sort of um and ahhing about what to do. But what we don't want to do um, is just sort of let it uh, just sort of put it out and just have it a bit as a bit of a wet fart and not be able to do anything yeah. with it. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah, yeah. so it's certainly gonna we're certainly gonna wait until um, the live music business gets back to some sort of normality and and the music business kind of you know, gets back into, into gear. Um, and because we definitely want to do some show shows. If we release the record, 100% we want to do some, some shows. Um, on the last uh, WhatsApp chain that was going around, um, there was, Dan posed one idea, um, which he, he described as uh, preposterous. And Robin's reply to that was, "It's a different world now, Dan. Preposterous is the way forward." So, um, <laughs> so I think ev- everyone's on everyone's on the same um, the same uh, page. We we want to do something. Um, Robin's only concern was, uh, he said, he, we we were talking about it when we were having the get together, and he, and um, uh, and saying, you know, well, let's let's do some shows, you know, let's. Uh, and he went, he said, uh, "Well, you got a drum kit." You, have you got a drum kit? Because he, obviously he's got a he's got a fly in from LA. He didn't want to bring his drums, um, but uh, that, that, was only, drum that was his only concern. You got a drum kit, so uh, um, <laughs> so that was good. But it's yeah, it's it's exciting. I think I think all of us are really excited. Um, and uh, but what we don't want to do is just, as I say, just sort of throw it out and then yeah. just have it sort of like a like a shit firework that just yeah. sort of fizzles out. Because um, I I. I you know, I genuinely think um, I genuinely think it's pretty good, man, man. And it's weird, like it doesn't. Well, I don't think anyway. Um, it doesn't sound dated. It doesn't sound like it was recorded twelve years ago. Um, I think the songs still stand up lyrically. It's like it's night and day to Silver Spoons and Broken Bones. When we wrote that, we were all sitting around a table, just sort of having a laugh, writing words that we thought were that made, made us laugh um and they ended up on a record which you know be careful be careful about that everybody because <laughs> some something that seems funny when you're sitting around a table um all of a sudden 12 years later 15 years later when you're listening to it and uh, and it's it's not quite as amusing so don't don't write a song about about 24 hour drinking um just before 24 hour licensing becomes a thing that was a that was a mistake that was a, i mean i wear on my bureau the closer of the record i actually think it's a, it's a like it's a brilliant song the production's great on it but it's the lyrically it's just it's cringeworthy man and it's like oh my god what why what were we thinking you know but it was fun at the time whereas the second album is 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 um it's it's night and day. It's it's still relevant. Like the things that we were about then are still relevant now, and that's in a way that's a little bit scary. But but yeah, so um, it's it has has a, a provisional title 
um, which I won't share with you because if it doesn't end up being that, I'll look like a knobhead. Um, <laughs> but 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 it it will be. I it will. I I don't know. I think I think people will like it. I think if you were if you like the first record, I think you'll like the second one. In fact, if you like the first one, I think you'll like the second one even more. Um, uh, and if you don't, well. You know, there's no refunds. You know that you know the drill. You know, it's exciting. It's exciting to think that it's 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 finally going to come out and and we can we can tick that box and go. We did it. We, we yeah. finally did it. You know. Um, in fact, um, another band who were around at the same time as us, Black Spiders. They've just um, yes. they've just put yeah. out a new yeah. a new record. But um, yeah. to be fair, that they, they wrote it and recorded it recently. <laughs> they didn't. They haven't had it kicking around for twelve years. Oh, but yeah. that's, that's amazing. Like any. any- Genuinely, Rich, and it's the same story with the Black Spiders. Uh, your record, Black Spiders, we were speaking about them when we used to be in a van. When the, This is early Crows now. Um, yeah. I mean, you know this, because for anybody watching, when I met Rich years ago, I was like, fucking hell, he's, he's in Stone Gods. Like, you know, we all used to, we all used to headbang, uh, headbang, like Burn the Witch and stuff in oh, barbecues. And, um, and then amazing. I met Toby, met Toby along the way, and um, I, I think I always used to like send you a text here and there, going, yeah. "Get back together, we'll come and play a show." <laughs> and just little yeah. things like you know. Yeah. So Black Spiders were uh, were another band, weren't it, Shane? Where early on in the Crow's career, we were like, "Fuck, they're a great band," and they've just they've just kind of split up. And we were like, "God," and then we we always mentioned Three Colors Red. Um, yeah. yeah. And and genuinely yeah. now, I, I I put those records all in the same thing because they're yeah, bands. Amazing. They're yeah. bands from like Bridgen musicians, Bridgen music fans that we were like, fuck, we never got that. Like for me, I never got to see you guys. Um, oh. So I'm I'm a later on fan. I don't know if the boys are aware of you've got loads of them where people only caught wind of your record maybe, <sighs> I don't know, maybe five, six years after you, you parted ways and that's how music works, doesn't it? Who's this yeah. band? And then you're like, you know oh, what, fuck, they're not even together. Oh, no. You know? You know what, mate? I, I'm, I'm still amazed. Like, uh, um, I still get, you know, I sound like some, some aging rocker on the, uh, on, on the, on, on the telly, but, but I still, it amazes me when I get messages on social media from, from people just saying, um, you know, oh, I really, I dig your band or, you know, I saw you back in the day and yeah. I still, I still like it. And, you know, or, or the, you know, you, you got me through some shit or, you know, and it, it just, it blows me away because um like I, ne- I just never took it for granted. And, and you, if you've had any sort of impact on somebody, it's just, it's amazing. It, it blows my mind that that, that that's even a, even a thing really, you know, and yeah. that some guys in Bridge End were into band it was like it's it's incredible i think it's we, we've been on the road really. for hours in a van you know what it's like and it is a claustrophobic fucking hours on the road and then like we've we've had your record on the background for example and i don't know there's like a smile in the air and it's like oh. if it was a movie if it was like one of those music movies it's almost like we didn't have like say a led zeppelin track or something it would have been like your record and we're like oh, amazing yeah, and that that's a genuine thing. That's why we wanted you on here for so long, oh. just to kind of go, yet again, th- you know, thank you for creating that record, you and the boys. 
Um, it means so much. It really does. I know we're, we're probably not the only ones out there where it's just such a great record. So it'd be oh. fantastic from our point of view to see you back, even if it was for a couple of shows, um, just um, to see you back on that stage um, and playing yeah, both records would be phenomenal. Like you Exactly. Know, so. Well, that, that was the thing touring the first one. We'd, like we didn't, we hardly had any material really. He's just had, just had one record, you know, and that's it. But, um, uh, yeah, we, we, I mean, it's, it's exciting, it's really exciting, and we definitely will, definitely will do some shows. Um, if the record, well, say if the record gets released, when the record gets released, we'll 100% mm. be doing some, doing some shows, yeah, for sure. Um, it would be criminal, I think, to just put it out without doing that. Um, and everyone's into it, you know, everyone's, everyone's excited about it, and, um, yeah, it's it's good. It's good to be able to say that as well now, you know, and go because so many people have asked, you know, have, have messages from people on Facebook and Instagram saying, well, "What happened with that second record? Why don't you release that second record?" And you sort of always had to say, "Yeah, well, maybe one day." Um, and to be able to say, "Well, it's done. I can, you know, I, I can list. You can't list. Well, you can list." I can listen to it. Um, uh, it's done. It's it's ready. It's there, ready to go. You know, it feels feels amazing, really, to to, uh, to be in that position. So it's, it's oh, exciting. Man. Yeah, I I cannot wait to catch a Stone God's gig, man. That 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 is that is epic, dude. That's such oh, great thank news. You. Thank Richie, you. thank you so much for joining us tonight, bro. It's thank you for having me. I, I don't honestly. I wasn't. I wasn't. I wasn't joking when I first came on earlier on. It's um, uh, it's a real honour. Um, you've had some some big hitters on this show over the last year, and uh, to be to be included is um, amazing. And uh, um, I'm genuinely really honoured. And I th- by the way, I think it's absolutely fantastic what you do. I, when I'm cooking in the kitchen, um, I listen to six music, and then when it get it does get a little bit up its own ass sometimes. It's Planet Rock. I sort of alternate between the two. And then uh, every time I put every time I turn Planet Rock on, it's um uh, sick of sick of me. Sick of, sick me. of yeah. me, yeah. <laughs> every time. And it's but man, what a tune. I think it's brilliant. I think what you're doing is amazing and I absolutely love it. And um uh, and you're great guys and it's good that you're doing just great to see you doing so well. I love it. Oh, so here's you so to you. Much. Thank, Thank you, you Joe. Thank you very much, honestly. We can't wait to catch up with you, Toby. We'll probably get Dan or someone on in the future as well when the second record's got a name um, and we've got a date. We will get you on, uh, get them on or, or whatever, and we can we can really push it That'd to the be hills brilliant. because it's something That'd we be love brilliant. anyway, like, you know. so And we can't I'm wait sure. to see you soon, honestly, and have a beer with you, mate. Oh, I can't wait. I can't wait. I can't wait. Looking forward to Take it. Care, brother. Thanks a lot, guys. Cheers. Take care, Rich. Thank you. See you later. Thanks for listening to Crowcast Podcast. Don't forget, this episode is also available to watch on our YouTube channel. For up-to-date information on everything Crows, follow us on all our socials or visit our website, thosedamncrows.com. Tidy. Ta-da.